Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. We are in the we're in the third part of a four week series on uh, mental health issues and how God relates to these, how God moves in in mighty ways. And we're in the the third part. It's called "You Are Not Alone." We feel it's absolutely necessary to talk about these kinds of things in the church. There are a lot of churches that do avoid this very important topic, but we think it's something that we should be talking about. We do have resources for you guys if you're interested, specifically a very, very good Christian therapist. So if you're interested in resources, stop by guest services. Please don't feel too ashamed to do that if you're going through something. Please stop by, pick up a card. I know Tom would be grateful for that. He's my therapist. He's 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 absolutely well, in fact, he's kind of turned into the family therapist. He's just a wonderful person. We, we, we think a lot of him, so I want to encourage that. We should consider today that suffering from some form of mental illness is a lot like living inside of a bubble. It's a lot like living inside of a bubble because you don't feel that others that are on the outside can relate to what you're going through, and that is a very frustrating feeling for people. It's very frustrating because a lot of times as you're trying to go throughout your work day or take care of your kids or do whatever it is that your responsibility is, everyone else seems fine. And it's very hard. They're not always fine, but it appears from the outside a lot of times that they're fine. And it's really, really hard for us. There's not only this suffering, but there's also this stigma that's associated with mental health issues. And this doesn't, it doesn't matter if you take medication or not, or if it's mild depression, or it's something that's very severe. There is still to this day in 2021, and sometimes more so with certain illnesses, there is a stigma that is attached to this in which people look at you as someone who is not well. People who don't suffer from mental illness, they're just like, well, well, just cheer up. You've got all this happiness around you. You've got all these great things. You guys live in a nice house. You've got nice cars. You've got a good job. You've got good kids. And we think only if it were that simple. Okay, so it's like you're living in this bubble that other people don't understand. And here's where I want our focus to be today. Outside of this bubble, uh, this world of stigma and shame that we often find ourselves in, There is a reality that God is inviting us into to trust in this reality. So there's this reality outside, and and assuming that you don't struggle with a form of mental illness and you're just going through a really hard time, there is this reality outside of that bubble that I've made the decision to live in. 
It doesn't mean that I don't sometimes still have problems. It doesn't mean that sometimes the weight of what I feel this morning even isn't there. It's just that there's this other reality that I've made the choice to live into. Now, something that the Bible talks about a lot, just a theological phrase that you're probably going to want to remember, and most of you are familiar with what it is, is this word providence. I want you to memorize this definition if you struggle with any kind of mental health issue whatsoever. Okay, this idea of providence. Providence is the protective or spiritual care that God has for his people, meaning God is looking over you and taking care of you through all of your circumstances and every difficult thing that you are going to go through. It is a knowledge and a design for all future events, all right? So as you worry about today, God is already in tomorrow. As you worry about next week, God is already there and knows what the outcome of next week is going to be. Some of you need to hear that today. You need to understand that because you're worried about this particular family member that struggles with addiction, You're worried about this particular family member that's maybe not being a a very good parent. You're worried about your job situation because you don't know what's going to happen. And if you're down in the hole of suffering, anxiety, fear, post-traumatic stress, not understanding these things that you're going through, it's very important that you understand that God is in your tomorrow. For me, sometimes that's, what does five years look like? What does 10 years look like? What happens when this financial shift happens? What happens when Beth and I go through this particular change or this particular thing? And God already knows. It's amazing to me that whenever I moved to Kentucky so many years ago, God already knew I was going to move back and be at this church. And I had no knowledge of that. I would have said there is no way that something like that is possible. So today we're going to be in segments of the famous Romans chapter 8, one of the most famous chapters of this letter, not just of this letter, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. There is an overwhelming point that Paul is trying to make through this chapter or what is actually a letter, and it's this. God will take care of us even when we're struggling against sin. All right? God is going to take care of us even when we are battling the flesh, we are battling adversity. He's telling this to the Romans. So the Spirit seeks to guide us faithfully through everything that we go through. God's love, providence, protection, and plan is not dependent on what you do, see, or understand. So as you are grounded in the nine to five, kids running around everywhere, all of your problems and everything that's going on, there is this separate reality that is planned out for you that you are expected to live into. Now, there's something that's a little bit different about today's message from the last two. The last two started in a pretty dark place. Whenever we talked about Moses going to Pharaoh and trying to get the children of Israelite to be able to go worship. And then Pharaoh says, no, you can't do that. They have to gather even more straw. Starts in a pretty negative place. And I don't think there's anything positive that we could affirm about the place that Job starts. 
All right, it's a pretty dark start. The first several, the majority of that book is very negative. But today, and this is why I think it's important right now, maybe I need to pray again, that you really leash on and grab a hold of what the Spirit wants to do in your heart today. Because I'm going to give you three truths in a minute that if you will really live into these, and I mean really live into these, and I promise it's going to cost you everything, your life is going to transform when you walk out this building today. It is going to be different starting today. Some of you are going to embrace your calling like you never have before, like you've never understood. See, this is something that's frustrating to me. People will say to me sometimes, Matt, you're a, you're a good preacher. We enjoy hearing you. God's definitely called you. God's definitely done all these things. God's anointed you. There's all these wonderful things. Please understand this. There is no difference at all between me and you except for one thing, and it isn't giftedness. It isn't that I have these incredible abilities and talents because I don't. It's that I choose, chose to say yes. That is the only difference between me and a lot of you. All right? I am an alcoholic. I've been sober for eight years. I still, after 10 years of marriage sometimes, don't understand how to be a good husband. I am a struggling person, but I made the decision and adversity above my family to say yes, and some of you refuse to do that. That's the only difference, the only difference in myself and some of you that are here right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that yesterday. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 31 through 39. And you're going to love this. If you're a person that struggles with hope, if you're a person that is in darkness, if you're a person that struggles with guilt, shame, you've received the diagnosis from the doctor, all of those things, this is going to be very, very good for you today. All right, so the first verse, Romans 8, 28, we're going to look at, then we're going to skip down to verse 31. And this is the most, one of the most common verses in the Bible, and it's often taken out of context. All right, we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Again, we know that God works all things together for the good of the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Then down to verse 31. So what are we going to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Won't he also freely give us all things we ask of him? Who will bring charge against God's elect people? Isn't it, is it God who acquits them? Who is going to convict them? Is it Christ Jesus who died even more, who was raised from the dead, and who also is at God's right side? It is Christ Jesus who also pleads our case for us, and in a criminal sense, goes to battle for us as our defense attorney. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will it be separated by trouble? That's what some of you have told yourselves. Will it separate us from de by depression? Will it separate us by anxiety? Will it separate us by an eating disorder? Will it separate us by distress or harassment or famine? What if there's nothing to eat or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, and this is Psalm 44, 22, we are being put to death all day long for your sake. And the majority of you, you're not being put to death all day long. You do what you want to. They're being put to death all day long for the sake of Christ. We are treated 
like sheep for slaughter. But in all these things, we win a sweeping victory through the one who loves us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. Not death or life. Not angels or rulers, not present things or future things. Not powers or height or depth or any other thing that is created. This is a passage that you might want to save for a rainy day. This is a passage that you might want to return to because these are the three truths that we're going to look at today. When you're in this dark place, when you're trying to see the reality outside of this bubble, when it feels like there is no escape, you can't get out of bed, you can't take a shower, you're too anxious to go anywhere, these are things that have to be stamped into your brain. Number one, God is always working for your good. Always. Every single second of the day, God is working for your good. Number two, resurrection always offers hope. Every single time. Darkness, fear, worry, pain, self-doubt, insecurity, resurrection always offers hope. And I think that there are people that call themselves Christians that go days without thinking about this. Number three, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. God is always working for your good. Resurrection always offers hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. These are what we cling to. So I want to share these three hopeful truths about God's uh, providence. Okay, and we'll start from the beginning. God always works for your good. At all times, he works for your good. I know it doesn't feel that way. I get that. I understand that. I, I'm, this, I'm human. I know what that feels like. Here's the thing. This, this is the issue. Some of you in here are convinced that this isn't true because of how sick you are or because she broke up with you or because you can't seem to get through school or because you lost the job or because of all of these obstacles that you see in your life. You can't believe that God is working for your good. If you cannot bring yourself to believe this, and some of you have had this kind of thinking for years. If you cannot bring yourself to believe this, life is going to be very hard. And I have no further advice for you. I cannot help you further than that. If you choose to embrace this, if you choose to believe this, it's going to change everything about your life. Because I go through things, and I'm the same way as you are. Just like when we talked about the Israelites collecting the straw, I'm like, why, God? Why in the world am I going through this? This is too hard. I can't do this. This doesn't make any sense. 
But then I tell myself, and I cling to this, he is always working for my good. This is what verse 28 says. And and again, it's often taken out of context. We know that God works all things, even anxiety, even depression, even darkness, together for the good of the ones who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, again, with this particular scripture often taken out of context, this is what people often say. And they, 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 they're not followers of Jesus. They don't go to church. They have a very general, general view of God. And they'll say, well, you don't have to worry because all things work themselves out. God, for your good, God's going to take care of you. He said he would work things, things out for your good, so you don't have to worry about that. Listen, there are two important things that you need to recognize about this verse. This one, this promise is for those who love him. And if you love your mom or dad, you're, you're allegiant and loyal to your mom and dad. If you love your kids, you're loyal to your kids. If you love your friends, you consider what's important to them before what's important to you. That's by definition what love means. So a lot of people that are trying to accept and internalize this promise really don't understand what it means to love God. But then number two, it's a promise for those who are in Christ. So this is not a general proclamation for everyone. Paul is writing this specifically to Roman believers. So Paul is suggesting that what we're going through, which are incredibly difficult times, through this process, God is working things out for our good. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel of of infertility today. I've, I've, I've done that before. But just to give one very tiny example, Uh, Beth and I recognized that whenever it was very difficult for us to get pregnant, that there was growing that we had to do in our relationship together and a place that we really needed to be before we were able to have a child together. That's God's providence. And that's God working things out. It would make a lot of sense to say, God just doesn't want us to have kids. God's just cruel because he knows this is the only thing that I've ever wanted. No, you're talking about your timeline. You're talking about your desires. You're talking about the things that you want, which are actually in conflict with what we're talking. What you want may not be the greatest good for you, and I know that's a hard pill to swallow. Because we continue to pursue over and over what we want. So God's desire is not to punish you. That's the way a lot of people feel. You can't tell me God's for me. God feels like he's punishing me. God's desire is to refine you and to mold you into his image. You know that future thing that you're worried about? God's already there. He's already in it. He's already taking care of it. He's already preparing it. You know what you have to do? Well, I better prepare for it. Well, I better work really hard. Well, I better figure out exactly what this is going to look like. No, you just walk into it. That is the only thing that you do because that is what a consistent yes looks like over and over again. But instead, we go back to what we've talked about through this whole series, this victim mentality. God is always working for your good. But also notice that resurrection offers hope. 
Resurrection always offers hope. And I'm going to say something that is, that is probably not very popular, but it's something that I firmly believe. All right? I believe that there are people that are, that are listening today online and people that are in this room and they talk about being a Christian or they talk about belief in God or they talk about doing good for other people, trying to be a good person, and they've truly never had an experience with the cross. They've just truly never had an experience with the cross. I'll tell you one of my favorite things about this guy right here. Cody and I were talking about this the other day. Still to this day, even though we've been bought by the blood of Jesus, we still at moments, we're disgusted with ourselves. Because we know you are never going to hear me say, well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, I try to do well for other people. Well, I'm okay. Because I am aware. I am acutely aware of what I am and what I am at my worst. And until you really come face to face with that, you see the majority of people, they never come face to face with that. They're like, well, I'm okay, or I'll try harder. That's what they say. I'll do better. I'll try harder. Your righteousness is filthy rags. There is nothing you can do. So until you come to that place where you are like, I can not do it without the power of the cross, without repentance, without the redemption of sin, you are never you, you, you have not began Christianity. You began religion, maybe. You're maybe part of an, a, a nice, friendly church. You're doing some great uh, social justice activities in your life. But until you really find yourself at the foot of the cross, I mean, so broken, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing left of you. Until you find yourself in that place, you've not started. It's still about you. But for some of you in here this morning, and it should bring us to tears every single time that we talk about it, that Jesus paid it all. That resurrection truly offers hope that I don't have to depend on my ability or most of the time inability to be good. I never have to depend on that because Jesus paid every single bit of it for me. Verses 31 and 32 say this. So what are you going to say about these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Well, how can we say that? Didn't he spare his own son, but gave him up for us all? Won't he also freely give all things with him? If God is going to offer his son, if that is something that, see, I don't know how we could ever walk in this building. I really don't how we could ever walk in this building dead. I don't know how we could ever walk in this building not alive in Jesus. I don't know how we could ever walk in this building with any complacency or monotony about us whatsoever after the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. So I want you to have a really close look at where you are as we talk about this. So how can I come to this conclusion that God is going to be there? Because God is for me. I'm going to tell you guys something. I really care about you. And I legitimately mean that. Like, I do care about you. I, I pray for you. I think about you often. Our, our people that are not here right now, I think about you guys often. 
But in that nursery back there, I have a two-year-old son that means the world to me. And as much as I love you guys, and as much as I care about you, I'm taking my boy over every single one of you. God gave his for people who spit in his face, for people in 2021 that say, you're not real. For people today that say, I'm going to do things my way. He gave what he had for us. And in our darkest places, in our most difficult places, we always have the hope of resurrection at all times. So you're stuck in this bubble and the panic attacks are overwhelming. The depression is out of control. The fear and the obsessive thoughts won't let go. The changes in medicine are becoming more and more discouraging. The memories that you have of the past just continue to come back. You must trust the reality that exists outside this bubble. So the last thing I want to point out this morning is that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Now, I struggle with this one sometimes. And the reason I struggle with this, and I've had to think about this and kind of, you know, analyze myself over time, but sometimes, for whatever reason, I struggle with guilt and shame, and sometimes I don't feel lovable to myself, if you want to know the truth. So whenever I struggle with that, it becomes very hard for me to imagine this God could love me. That's hard for me to accept sometimes. So this is something in my meditation, in my daily prayer life, that I'm placing very special focus on you because some of you may be able to raise your hands all the time and say, thank God he loves me so much. I'll always have the love of God. Sometimes that's very hard for me. But I go back to this passage that we just read and it says this, this is 35 through 39. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment? or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And you could, you could put anything in the blank there. Will we be separated by depression? Will we be separated by anxiety? Will we be separated by fear? For some of you that struggle with guilt and shame, will we be separated by our own sin? As it is written, we are being put to death all day long for your sake. We are treated like sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things, we win a sweeping victory. Through the one who loved us, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or death or any other thing that has been created. Not the ex-husband or the ex-wife that is constantly bashing you. Not the people who can't stand you. Not your own psyche that constantly tells you you're not worthy or you're not good enough. Nothing can separate you from the love that God has from you. Depression cannot separate you from the love of God. Anxiety 
cannot separate you from the love of God. The worst possible thoughts that you could have about yourself or that you could have about others cannot separate you from the love of God. So how do we apply these truths of God's providence today? How do we look closely at this and make this applicable in our lives? I believe that with these three points, there are three things that you can tell yourself. And I really believe, I'm a liturgical kind of guy. I believe in repetition. I believe in saying the same things over and over because I believe if you say the same things over and over, you start to believe them and they start to internalize within you. But this is what you have to tell yourself. And this is where the victory is. God is for me. Jesus died for me. This love will sustain me. Okay, these are not taboo things. These are not maybe things. These are certain things that you can live into in your life starting today. With every decision that you make as you go into a relationship, as you struggle with fear and anxiety and all of the things that some of you are going through, God is for me. He doesn't want to hurt me. Oh my goodness, I'm starting a new medicine. Oh my gosh, I'm going to the hospital. Oh my goodness, I feel like I can't leave the house. I can't function in the world the way that I used to. This doesn't make sense. God must have thrown me out. No! God is for me. Always. Every single day of your life. And if this is not ingrained right here, you will die a sad death, period. There is nothing else. This is where it is. God is for you. How many Christians do I know that just don't believe this? They go to church. They, they, they go through all of these. Mo- they really don't believe God is for them. Number two, Jesus died for you. And again, maybe today is this day of salvation for some of you that are here. But you need to understand that you're not getting to heaven. You're not getting out of this world alive without repentance and self-resurrection through the gift of Jesus. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with, I think I'm going to try to read this book about self-healing. Well, I think I'm going to watch enough, you know, Oprah or Dr. Oz or whoever it may be. I think I'm going to try these new practices. There are a lot of things that can help you become a better person. But this life that we're talking about here is not about becoming a better person. It's about dying to this person. And that's a completely different thing. And then number three, because this journey is hard. It is is so hard. You need a love that's going to sustain you The way as good of a spouse as you may have cannot sustain. And a parent and a friend or or a pastor cannot sustain. But I want you to understand that as much as you may be hurting and as real as the fear may be and as alone, and I'm talking about deep, isolated loneliness that some of you feel, 
you are always within the grip of grace. At all times. As people that are listening say, well, Christianity is just a little too controversial. It's just a little too this for me. It doesn't really fit into culture now. God doesn't really love me. These are the voices that we hear. This is what we're told. And this is why we continue to suffer. There is freedom. There's power. There is redemption. There is life change. There is breaking generational curses in your family through the power of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me today and close your eyes? Father, we come to you today and we thank you because we know that you are worthy. Father, we know that you are still changing sinners' hearts. We know that the power of the Spirit is contagious. We know that it's good. We know the culture tells us it's not good, that we're wrong about this, we're wrong about that. It's all We're the crazies. But if the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. And that is the only freedom, Father, on this side of eternity that we will ever know. We trust in your promises, God. We know, Father, as a church, we cling together and we say that we know you are for us. Father, we know that resurrection, that the sacrifice that you made, sending your Son, always offers hope. It's the hope of the world. And that there is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from your love. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.